it was finished upon that cross. No greater words could ever be spoken from our perspective. Nothing affects us more than those words. So we give you all the glory and honor for this amazing truth. We want to live our lives under that banner. It is finished. It is finished because of the cross. You may be seated. I jumped up here a little too soon. I'm pretty anxious to be up here. And that's because I have been living this message for weeks now, and I'm about to burst. So um, just pray that I hang on. I mean, even emotionally, the, the power of these scriptures are just amazing in every way, indescribably wonderful. And so I'm going to ask you if you would, normally we have, or usually we have someone read the scripture for us. I'd like for you to read the scripture with me today. Would you do that? So if you turn to Romans 8, or I think it'll be on the screens as well, if that's less distracting to you. And I'm going to ask you to read loud. Thank you, sir. And I'm going to ask you, so don't whisper, okay? And I'm going to ask you to read slowly. In other words, we're not going to, some people are so good at reading fast, I can't do that. So I'll try to set the pace. And as we read, you're going to be seeing it, you're going to be hearing it, you're going to be saying it all at the same time. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Verse 1 of Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Can we just stop there? Goodness gracious. You realize what he just did? I, okay, I don't want to interrupt. Uh, let's go back. You, however, all right? You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. 
If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to call, fall back in fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Oh. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Can you stop just a minute? Because we spent the entire month just on this chapter. Can you see why? <laughs> it's, just, it's just overwhelming, isn't it? So take a big breath. <sighs> Let that sink in. And let's start again. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it in patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose." For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? For who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. And who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who inter indeed is interceding for us. 
For who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. For we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can we just honor the Lord? Woo! My, my, my. And just as we always thank the one that reads the scripture for us, thank you. You did a great job. Let's pray. Father, I I do ask that you'll be glorified, that you'll be honored, that your word will be supreme today. I pray, Lord, that none of my own perspective, prejudices, preferences will come through. And that, Lord, everything I say will come from your spirit, and be communicated with grace. Lord, I do pray that you'd open our eyes and our ears to hear what you say and see what you're showing us, that today might be a day where we change forever, permanently, and we'll look back on this day And remember that you did something glorious for us. And we took another step in being conformed to the image of the Son, Christ Jesus. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, the only one that can make it happen. Amen. The last few weeks, as I've been studying this passage, um, I love it when God gives you these little ideas. You You don't know if they're good ideas or not. But, you, you know, it's just like, okay, Lord, you say it. I'll do it. So I had this impression, go back to January and watch and listen to every sermon that we've done on Romans. It was amazing. <laughs> and I just want to take a minute to commend our preaching team because it is, I, I, I saw the pattern, which I don't necessarily, you know, think about week by week, but Every week, the clarity, every week, the passion, every week, the illustrations were so meaningful to me. And I'm like, Lord, thank you for these guys. I'm not including myself because I'm not really part of the preaching team anymore, so I can brag on them, right? But it was amazing to me what, what, and I'm, I'm not trying to brag in the sense of the word of best or anything, just simply the fact that God is giving us such a rich banquet every week. And I I was just, when I got done, I was just thrilled. I just finished a couple days ago. It was a lot, but it was glorious. This chapter does indeed blow our minds. We could study this chapter, it feels like, for the rest of our lives and still not get it all. That's how glorious it is. But I want to reduce all of it down today to us. Verse 31 
says, what then shall we say to these things? We've been studying week after week after week. I hope you don't just listen on Sunday or listen by video stream. I hope that you study for yourself. I hope you go over these things. The Bible calls us to be Bereans in Acts. It says the Bereans, people that lived in the city of Berea, they listened to Paul, and then they studied the scriptures for themselves to see if what he was saying was true. You need to do that when I preach. You need to make sure that what I'm saying is right, because I'm not always right. And if you just buy it hook, line, and sinker because one of us said it, that's just dangerous. None of us want that. So he's saying, what then shall we say? Paul actually has asked this question before in Romans, and he'll ask it again, I think, in the next couple of chapters. What do you, what do you say to all that you are hearing? And of course, I think as good Christian people, right, we would listen to all that and say, oh, what do I say? Oh, well, I say yes and amen to all of it, whether I understand it or not. I'm just like, yeah, and that's, that's a, a great answer if it's sincere, if you really are listening, paying attention, and you are seeking to understand as much as you can, and you do indeed agree. The way we find out, just a little spoiler for the message, the way we find out if we really believe is how we live. Now, that terrifies me. I don't want anybody watching me every day, all day. And I'm amazed that God has still puts up with me because he does see me every day, all day. We're not talking about living perfectly, folks. We're not talking about having it all together. But what do you say to the things we just read together? And I'd like to change the scripture a little bit, hopefully not heretically. What do you say to these things? That's what matters. I mean, I could, I could be rhetorical. What, what should we say to these things and address everyone? <clears throat> I'm addressing you today as if there was no one else in the room and we were sitting down having a cup of coffee and I'm just asking you a very direct question because I love you. What do you say to these things? And to answer that question or to even consider it, I think it's refreshing to kind of look at all of Romans up until now. And it, you don't even necessarily need to take notes right now. Maybe just let these truths, the truths we've covered now for ever since January, um, let them just wash over you like a, like a refreshing shower. When you're really dirty, you know, and you've been working in the yard or whatever, and you get in the shower, and the water comes on, and it's warm, and it's like, ah. Let, let, that, let that happen as you listen. Because along the way, if you remember, one of the things Shane said in this series is that every week we as pastors and preachers and teachers are, are leaving gold on the floor each week, meaning we just can't cover it all. We're going to hit some highlights and then hope you will study on your own. So here's some nuggets. Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God, the Messiah. No question. It's true, and everybody that you know in your life needs to know that. We have been commanded 
to obey our faith. To know it, to believe it, to live it. We have been given grace. We are loved. We have peace. There's no more searching for acceptance, church. We are abiding in love. Christ is our peace. We're not looking for something to give us peace. We have Christ who is our peace. Thank you. You know, you can say that anytime you agree with me. It won't bother me at all, right? You can say it out loud, you know. It's fine. We are called to walk out and live our faith as those who have been have been and currently are being made righteous, being right with God. God hates sin. Let us learn to hate it as well, amen? Because the penalty is death. Physical death, yes. But in the here and now, he gives people over to the sin that they love. That's terrifying. Remember this quote, for the unbeliever, this life is the closest to heaven you'll ever get. I'm so sorry to have to say that. But if you're playing around with the world and you're not giving your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, this is the closest you'll ever get to heaven. Because no unbeliever even though at every funeral you'll ever go to, everyone's always going to heaven, right? No unbeliever will be in heaven. And it goes on to say, and for the believer, this life is the closest you'll ever get to hell. Here's another one. We Oh, what a relief this is. We are not the judge of the earth. God is. So can we stop judging everything <laughs> all the time? Like we're supposed to. Um, like we think we're supposed to. Because the truth is that God himself is the judge. He will take care of everything that's wrong and he will deal with all injustice. It's not my job to make everything right in the world. It's my job to be a part of the answer everywhere I can be, anywhere I can be. Because I'm not the judge. I'm the instrument. Here's another one. Glory and honor is ours through the fruit of our, our salvation, our redemption, which is what I said earlier, good works, the way we live our life, demonstrate that we are saved. Good works don't get us saved. They just prove that we are. Another message, we are justified, pardoned, set free from the power of sin. Oh, my goodness. No longer a slave, church. No longer to the, to a, a captive to the sin that we love. Our lead pastor, the bee lover, if you remember, said death stung itself to death on the cross. 
great illustration if you want to go back and listen to it. Another message, our justification is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone, through Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone, not of our works. It's not about following the rules, folks. It's not about being perfect. It's not about being a good person. It's not about never saying cuss words or never doing bad things. It's living our life in the fullness of the Spirit where we're walking with the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit every day, all day. That doesn't mean you feel it and you're always up and everything's always great. I need to move on. Here's another one. Thank you. Our righteousness is the righteousness of Christ. Thank you. Yes. You, you literally, literally, when you stand before God, when you live day in and day out, you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ Jesus. Why do we doubt whether or not we're saved? Why do we wonder if we're doing enough, if we're praying enough, or if we're reading the Bible enough, or if we're witnessing enough? Who's the one that accuses you of those things? It's not the Holy Spirit. When God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ himself. How do you keep going? My goodness. We are no longer subject to the wrath of God. You've been set free, church. The debt is paid. Stop trying to pay it. It's just a dead end. It's a waste. What about suffering and pain and temptation? Well, this chapter says and this book says that it produces godliness in us. Wait, wait a minute, what? Therefore, we are to embrace it. Now, we don't ask for it, as Shane said. We embrace it. We don't resist it. At least that's what we're called to do. Not that I do that all the time. God uses the challenges of life here in a fallen world to conform us and sanctify us into the image of Christ. That's what's going on. Church, the only thing that matters in life, can we just level the playing field here? The only thing in your life that matters at all for eternity is one thing, sanctification. It's God at work doing what he intends to do, which is to conform you into the image of Christ so that one day you will see him face to face. Guess who does that work? Guess who sanctifies? You don't. You can't. Sanctification, excuse me, is the work of the Holy Spirit alone. What do we do? We just cooperate. Okay, Lord, you, you want me to do that? You, you're telling me I can't do that? Come on. You know how you treat your parents? Mom, Dad. I do that even though that I'm almost 70. <laughs> kind of sad. But anyway, um, where am I? I just get... Um, yeah, here we go. God uses the challenges of life here in a fallen world. I just said that one. Sorry. Church, the, the sanctification process 
The Holy Spirit's doing his work, but he also uses others. He uses the church. That's why we gather together. That's why it's so important for us to be here whenever we can physically. I know sometimes we're providentially hindered, but why do we do this? Because we're trying to fill up every seat, and we're trying to get a lot of money to do whatever needs to be done? No. This is a uh, a primary place that God sanctifies us. Why? Because it's the truth that sets you free. What do we do do here on Sunday? We sing the truth. We quote the truth. We preach and teach the truth. We rejoice in the truth. We're all about that one thing every Sunday. All the rest of it, it happens as the Lord wills. Sometimes we have enough. Sometimes we don't. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's not why we're here. Small groups are a part. If you remember Juan when he preached, he wasn't actually preaching from Romans, but I thought his message fits so perfectly. Uh, Juan uh, Hernandez, I think it is, from Colombia. He said so many Christians, he was seeing this in the churches in Colombia. It might relate to us a little bit. Um, so many Christians during this season have gotten comfortable at home, sitting on the couch in their PJs and drinking their favorite hot drink. Now, I didn't say this, one said it. He said, Christians have become afraid to talk to one another, get close to one another. So they get to church late and they leave early, avoiding as many people as possible. Christians are afraid to show hospitality. They don't want anybody in their home. They're afraid to attend a small group because they don't want to be exposed. He was saying, church, this is not what we're called to. And I'll try to clarify that as we go. Here's another one. We are weak, but he is strong. He is actually glorified in our weakness. So don't be afraid to acknowledge your weakness Confess your sins one to another. Don't be ashamed of the fact that you mess up. Don't hide from one another. We're called to be open. We're called to humble ourselves. That's one of the key ways that God sanctifies us by his spirit. John, I call my my son-in-law who led worship this morning. He said, he just blurted this out in our conversation. If you are fearful, run to God. Cry out to the Holy Spirit. And we were in a little pub, and he said it really loud. And I was like, everybody in the room's going to hear this. That's fine. As we continue in Romans, Christ did all this on the cross for us. It's finished. We died in Christ and no longer live in sin. There are several themes that kept repeating themselves. We are now free from the old covenant law. And have been set free to give ourselves the law of the Spirit. We are sons and daughters of God. How cool is that? We wait today with patience for the redemption of all things. When we are weak, the Holy Spirit dwells in us to help us and protect us from the enemy of our souls. And can I say, from ourselves. Remember Aaron talking about touching the electrical fence? 
He's there in those moments. And then lastly, he predestined us to all this glory, called, justified, glorified. So, what do you say to these things? Well, God has a very simple answer for us. What do we say to these things? Here's God's answer. If God is for us, who can be against us? You say, what? That's it? Where's the deep theological explanation and rationale? If God's for you, what's there to fear? What's there to be anxious about? What's there to dread? Do we know what's going to happen in the future? I don't even know what's going to happen later today. It doesn't matter. God's for me. I could die today. It's okay. God's for me. Nothing to fear. The key is, do I believe this? I can say it. If God is for us, who can be against us? Do I believe it? Do I live it? The scriptural rationale for such a shocking declaration is in verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Is it possible for God to not give you graciously all things? No. So why do we wonder? Well, is God going to be with me in this? Is God going to help me? Sorry, church, that's a dumb question. If, if God's for me, and I know what he's done for me already, not only before I ever was born, but my entire life, then why worry about the future? You think the nation is going to hell? Yeah, the whole world is if they don't believe in Christ. Should we stay up at night because of what's happening in the world? No. Why? Because God's for us. Paul said it this way. To live is Christ. To die is... Do you believe that? You guys all know that I had cancer several times and it was of the tongue, which is a great place for a pastor to get cancer. When the surgeon sat down with me to tell me that it indeed was a very aggressive cancer, cancer and that the typical procedure was to cut my tongue out at the root, what happened in my heart right then? That's what I care about. When they're wheeling me into the operating room and the anesthesia is starting to take over, what do I believe at that moment? What I want to believe, and as we are all growing in our belief, is if God is for me, who can be against? Who? No one. Now, I'd like to give you a little bit of a warning. Um, what I'm about to say is a great opportunity for miscommunication and mis 
understanding misinterpretation. So I'm just going to simply ask you, please, don't stop listening <laughs> because you don't like what I say. Not that I would expect you to, but we're living in a culture where you say something I don't like, <clears throat> forget you, I'm going to walk away, so I'm not going to talk to you anymore. So just listen to me, and then prayerfully consider it for the next several weeks, whatever. But at least consider it and see for as yourself as a Berean how this applies to you or not, or whether you see it or not. Because only the Holy Spirit can do that. I, I'm not going to, I can't try to convince you of anything or talk you into anything. So, Holy Spirit, do your work. It is shocking to me how so many Christians today and even our own church do absolutely all they can to stay safe. It's the word of the day. Is it safe? And this was going on before this pandemic. Please don't just think I'm talking about that. It's been building in this church for years from my limited perspective. The, the intense desire to make sure that everything in your body is right. You know, what, oh, wait, that's not, that, that doesn't feel right. That's not, what, I got to go to a specialist. I got to find out what's going on. I'm going to clarify, so just keep listening. How many Christians are afraid of what could be, paralyzed by the fear of what could be? The, the intense desire for mental stability. I, I, want, I don't want to be around anything that, that threatens my, my mental health. The extremes that we go to to avoid problems, to try to escape from problems. What do you hear so many times when somebody's going through things that are really, really tough? I hear it over and over again. I've said it myself many times. I just wish this was over with. We just want to move on to the next thing, but we're not necessarily going to like the next thing, so we want that to be over so we can get to the next thing. You, you're not going to like it until you're in heaven, folks. You're living in a fallen world where you are an alien. You are hated by this world. You're not going to get along with them. You're going to represent Christ. You're going to spread love and peace everywhere you can possibly go. But for us to expect that we're not going to have conflicts and problems, to think that disease will never be a part of our lives, and we try to protect ourselves and we try to eat every possible supplement so that we don't get this or that, and everything does something. By the way, all that stuff comes from food that God made. Yes, I understand there's dangers there. I understand there are things being done today that shouldn't be done. But if we live trying to protect ourselves, trying to stay young, trying so hard to not gain weight when I'm my age, the links that we go to just to avoid accidents. This one's a big one. It's subtle. How strongly we resist 
being uncomfortable. Well, when you say that, you make me uncomfortable. Or lastly, run the risk of being ostracized for our faith. Well, I'm not going to say that. I might lose my job. Oh, if I obey the Lord right now and pray for somebody, I'm going to get called in the carpet. You, you better believe it. So what? I warned you, right? Still with me? Nobody's walked out yet, so we're good. Church, just consider what I'm saying. Hear it clearly. Christianity is not safe. And it never will be. You didn't come to Christ to be safe. You came to Christ to die. You came to Christ to bear his cross. You came to Christ to do anything and everything you can possibly do to love the Lord your God with all your heart and tell everybody you could possibly meet with or that will listen to you about this glorious gospel. And that is not and will never be popular. So why'd you get saved? Well, I didn't want to go to hell. No, that's not what Christianity is about. Because it's not just that Christianity isn't safe. The, the, the real truth of the matter is God is not safe. You know, it's, it's so easy to try to make God fit our perspective. You know, it's, it's like we want him to be this cuddly thing that we can, you know, wrap our arms around or he wraps his arms around me and he, he just helps me and he, he protects me and he comforts me and, and he makes sure that everything's okay. And um, I, I, I just... I just love him so much. Until he does something I don't like. And then, God, why did you do that? And I've seen so many Christians, they lived, they were here in this church for decades. You know what they're doing now? They're raising their fist at God and saying, I hate him. You know why? Because he didn't do what they wanted him to do. You know why God's not safe? Because he's holy. We're going to sing about that in a moment. Honestly, church, I, I can't, maybe you do, but I can't even comprehend his holiness. Never mind understanding it or being able to respond properly. He is so holy, it's beyond our wildest imagination. And we're never going to know that until we see him face to face. And I'm, I'm not sure in all of eternity, with every question that you could ever possibly ask, that we'll ever understand all of it. He's just too great, folks. So let me finish up with this. Christianity is a life of self-abandonment, not self-care. It's preferring others above ourself, before ourself. It's laying down our life for one another, for the church and for the lost. It's, it's giving what we have 
a way to those who are in need. Oh, I really want to go on a vacation, so I really can't. That couple in my group, they're, they're really needy, but I, I can't do the $500 now that's needed because, because we're going to the beach. That's not Christianity. Christianity is, you know what, there's a need. God's leading me. I'm not saying this is legalistic. We just do it because God's leading me to do this. So if I get to go on vacation, fine. If not, I'm going to obey God. Why? Because that's my greatest glory. That's my greatest peace. That's my greatest enjoyment, even more than the beach or whatever yours is, the mountains or the water or the air or whatever it might be. It's denying our own needs, denying our own wants to the honor of God and the glory of his name. Christian, I'm not talking about Christian Moscoso, I'm talking about you, Christians. You can't lose if you don't have anything to lose. So when you're tempted with fear and anxiety, what are you afraid of losing? Whatever that is, give it up. And then you're not going to be afraid anymore. I know that's simplistic. I, I'm very aware that's Dan act to the things that happen in your life, do it based on the scriptures we read this morning. Not on how you feel, not on what might happen. Just so happened yesterday in our devotional, Melody and I were uh, reading Paul Tripp in his devotional book, New Morning Mercies, which if you'd, I just highly, highly recommend it, New Morning Mercies. He said this, you and I have been freed from carrying the burden of all the regrets of the past. Let that sink in. We've been set free from bearing the burden of all the regrets of the past. Ah, what freedom. And we've been set free from our needs of the present. There's only one thing you and I need, and that's Christ. And you've been set free from all the unanswered questions of the future. Is that good or what? We can, he, he's basically put, putting in different words the same thing we're talking about. Now, what you're hearing right now, does it sound anything like what you're hearing from our culture today? I'm not. I wish, I wish... So how do we deal with all this? In verse 33, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? I love the fact that Paul's asking all the kind of questions that we ask ourselves. <laughs> okay, so if you're going to believe that God's for me and not against me, then what do I do when these things happen? Well, who will bring any charge against God's elect? Do I feel like a charge being brought at me? Am I being accused of something? Am I feeling some accusation? Well, God promises that's not him. And if it's not him, there's only one other voice, and that's the enemy of your soul. So if you know it's the enemy of your soul, why listen? It's, it's just like if someone came up to me and said, hey, by the way, um, you may not know this or not, but you're really an elephant. You're really not a man. 
I wouldn't go, oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that I was, how, how am I an elf? No, don't even think about it. Don't consider it. It's stupid. The accusations against you are stupid. Why? Because God took every penalty for each and every sin upon himself. He paid the price. He buried it under his blood. And now when God looks at the page of your life and all that you've done, all the sin is covered by the blood. It's illegible. He has no record. He remembers it no more. Why are we remembering it? Now, using our failures to be gratitude, you know, to, to express gratitude to God, to know where we come from, absolutely, but to still feel shame and guilty for what you did 30 years ago? Come on! That's not the Holy Spirit. Don't let Him do that. I'm not mad at you, I'm mad at Him. It makes me sick how he torments his people. Oh, God, you have set us free. Open our eyes to see so that we will truly indeed be free. So basically, round it up with this. We are called to what? Preach the gospel boldly, which is proclamation. We are called to build the church which starts in our home, build the church wholeheartedly. That's the demonstration. As the worship team comes, I was on my way today and I was listening to some music and an old, old hymn came on. It's one that my mom used to sing. It said, the longer I serve him, the sweeter it grows. The more that I love him, more love he bestows. Each day is like heaven, my heart overflows. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. That's what God wants for us. You say, well, my, have, my days aren't like heaven. I, I argued with the Lord about that for a long time. It's all about your perspective, church. Let's pray. Father, nothing's, not much of anything's right with our lives. We are not just trying to be positive. We are simply saying, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What? And man do to me. Lord, we don't want to just know these things. We want to live them for your glory alone. In Jesus' name.